0: Hello and welcome to Equipping the Saints. I'm Ryan, and thank you for joining us today. This is week 13 and the final week on Roman Catholicism. So this time around, I wanted to talk about the state of the Church today, as well as some important things that we need to discuss about the Church as a whole, answer some questions about some rumors, conspiracies going on in the Church, what the Pope claims he has authority over, so on and so forth. There's there's a lot to talk about here, so I'll try to break this down in such a way that we can see it from piece by piece and put it together as to the church as a whole, what it looks like. And more than anything, this is an appeal to those that are Catholic to consider what they believe and to see the truth of what is going on in the reality of the Catholic Church and again a petition to leave that environment so the church as a whole is very large and influential as we know you know currently there's about 1.4 billion catholics in the world today and 40% of all the catholics that are in the world live in latin america and i mean you know mexico on south and it's estimated though by the year 2040, that 60% of all the Catholics will actually be based out of Africa, because the Church has been going through a lot of evangelism in that area, and the amount of converts in Africa have skyrocketed over the last 100 years. So to put things into perspective, as an example, Africa's Catholic population in the year 1900 was estimated to be about 1.9, almost 2 million people. But today, it's over 150 million, and it's continuing to grow, and my numbers may be old at this point. It continues to grow at a rapid rate. So with this kind of a global influence, the church has the power to manipulate things in its favor, and really call itself a world power. So as somebody who's on the outside looking in, if a religious belief system is being recognized as a world power, is that really a good thing? The answer is no, and let me explain why. So under Pope Francis, the Catholic Church has been going through some of its biggest challenges that it's ever had in its long history. Its leadership continues to be rocked with sex abuse scandals worldwide, You know, we have this woke culture going on right now that is causing divisions within the church. There's acceptance of LGBT ideology, which is anti-biblical. There's teaching on sexuality. Their leadership structures are getting all out of control. They are very much integrating with the world systems, and that is not good. And because Pope Francis has been contradicting both Bible and tradition by some of his shocking declarations while he's been Pope, it has caused many believers worldwide to doubt their faith, or many people, even in my own town, that claim that they do not follow the Pope. And yet that is completely against their own rules, their own traditions, their own idea of who the Pope is. He's supposed to be someone who's infallible. He's supposed to be Christ in the flesh, and yet we don't listen to him? That seems very odd coming from this current generation of believers. In in, in some cases, the Catholic Church is openly defying their own magisterium, the ones who interpret the scriptures for them, so they say. That's all very odd. But to be fair, these issues are not unique to them because if you've been keeping up with the news in religious news, that the Protestant Church and some of their organizations have had plenty of time in the spotlight lately when it comes to some of these very same things. You know, even the Baptist groups, some of the Methodist groups are starting to break away. They're LGBT and critical race theory is starting to sink into some of the Christian groups. It's not unique to the Catholic Church, but it is still something to be alarmed about. So we have this Pope, right? Pope Francis. The world treats him like a form of religious rock star. And he's always been controversial in the way that he has handled his seat as Pope. Now, one major deviation from classic Catholicism is how the barriers clearly established by the Council of Trent and the Vatican Councils that we've talked about don't seem to matter anymore. I mean, Pope Francis has publicly declared that Buddhism, Islam, Catholicism, Protestantism, and Judaism all seek the same God. And thus all believers of these are children of God under the common banner of love. And this language of love is love is completely anti-biblical. The idea that believing in love, all of these religions are brothers, is not what the Bible says. This doctrine is terribly dangerous and looks suspiciously similar to the one-world religion that is described in the book of Revelation, right? Now, I'm not saying the Catholic Church is the one that's trying to make the one-world religion, but it's possible. You never know. But There's also some other things that we don't know. Your common person does not know about the Catholic Church's dark history. Within the last century... One of the more famous ways that the church has been under a negative light is because they openly supported the Holocaust. Hitler was a fervent Catholic, and they endorsed him. Historically, the Catholic Church has always hated the Jews because they crucified the Messiah. Now, there was, on record, a Jewish rabbi that pleaded for help during the Nazi regime, and the Pope at that time, Pope Pius XII, responded by saying, There is no such thing as the innocent blood of Jewish children. All Jewish blood is guilty, and the Jews must die because that is their punishment for that sin. Wow! And there, at that time, many Catholics and priests from different countries were recorded in videos and pictures performing the Nazi salute, blessing the German armies, and fully being integrated into the Third Reich. In fact, a few archbishops publicly stated that God has given us Adolf Hitler, and Hitler's war is a noble task. And you can look online, you can look in the history books for this information. This is not anything that I'm making up. You can certainly find it if you, without much effort. If I could do it, certainly you can. So now let's investigate this. There are two different camps about the Pope being the Antichrist. Now, I personally don't think that he is the Antichrist. And again, that's my personal opinion. I personally think that in the unholy trinity, which is, you know, the Antichrist, the false prophet, and Satan himself, personally, I think that the pope is the false prophet. Is there any grounds for the pope being the Antichrist? Well, let's, let's hear from the mouths of the popes themselves throughout history. So, Pope Innocent the Third who was pope in the year 1179. He said, The pope holdeth place on earth, not simply of a man, but of the true God. He's declaring himself as God. Pope Nicholas in 1447, I am in all and above all. I am able to do almost all that God can do. I then, being above all, seem by this reason to be above all gods. Wherefore, no marvel if it be in my power to dispense with all things, yea, even with the precepts of Christ. Not much to say there. He said it all himself. This is what the Lateran Council in 1503 said regarding the Pope of their day, which is Pope Julius II take care that we lose not that salvation that life and breath which thou hast given us for thou art shepherd thou art physician thou art governor thou art husbandman thou finally art another god on earth they have exalted the pope to be a demi god or again christ on earth a reincarnation of Christ, if you will. Pope Pius X, in the year 1903. The Pope is not simply the representative of Jesus Christ. On the contrary, he is Jesus Christ himself, under the veil of the flesh. Does that Pope speak? It is Jesus Christ who is speaking. Hence, when anyone speaks of the Pope, It is not necessary to examine, but to obey. What is he saying? Is he literally calling himself Jesus Christ? And that all popes are Christ in a different body? Sure, what it sounds like to me. Which in itself is unbiblical because the Bible doesn't say he's returned yet. So that's a contradiction. Pope Pius IX in 1846 I alone am the successor of the apostles the vicar of Christ I am the way the truth and the life that is a bold statement to make for somebody who claims to be Christ to be claim that he is the way the truth and the life such utter heresy Pope Boniface the 8th In the year 1294, we declare, say, define, and pronounce that it is absolutely necessary for the salvation of every human creature to be subject to the Roman pontiff. So you have to be a Catholic in order to believe, according to this Pope. Pope Clement VI in 1342. No man outside obedience to the Pope of Rome can ultimately be saved. Hmm. So you have to believe in the Pope, not in Jesus Christ, according to them. Pope John Twenty-Third, in the year 1410. Into this fold of Jesus Christ no man may enter unless he be led by the sovereign pontiff, and only if they be united to him can men be saved? My Bible doesn't say anything about that, and quite frankly, theirs doesn't either. Pope John Paul II, the one in the most recent of history for us, 1978. Don't go to God for the forgiveness of sins. Come to me. Hmm. All right. You may remember we said that from the week two study of Catholic history. There was a time where the Great Schism happened, where they split the empire into two. You had the Orthodox Church on the east, and you had the Catholic Church on the west. This happened a thousand years ago. And apparently, Pope Francis has been making many attempts to heal this Great Schism. And one of the main topics that was discussed is the large amount of migrants that were trying to flow into Europe. The Pope and the Orthodox Patriarch have voiced their support of this, stating that a Christian lets everybody come. And when we talk about migrants, you're seeing this in the United States today too, and I'll get to that in a second. But the Pope has always held the name of Holy Father, and he claims to have the authority of God. And that in itself is something to be alarmed with. The Pope has been identified as an Antichrist by very well-known people throughout history, such as Martin Luther, John Wycliffe, even Charles Spurgeon has called him the Antichrist. Even the Westminster Confession of Faith declares this. Well, probably the crowning achievement of Pope Francis's day is the development of Chrislam, which is a temple that was built in the Middle East, and it is called the House of Abraham. And what it is is a Jewish synagogue, a Catholic church, and a Muslim mosque all in one. And I think this this is the first step into trying to create the one world religion. So I think that the Catholic Church is certainly to have a role in this, and my personal opinion is in the Book of Revelation when it talks about the whore of Babylon when it talks about that particular entity I think it is the Catholic Church and you would have to see for yourself to make your own decision and I could be completely wrong you know um, personally eschatology is not my strongest suit but from what I have gathered from it it is what I think you know there are some people that think. You know, different things about the millennium and all that. And and the beautiful thing about all that is it is prophecy. It is not anything that has been established. And a lot of it is up for interpretation because it's very cryptic. And I love that it doesn't change the message of the gospel. It doesn't change the message of the Bible at all if we disagree with some of the book of Revelation. Or at least have conflicting views on it. There are some things that are non-negotiable, but things like when the millennium is happening and who is the whore of Babylon, so on and so forth, is not devastating if we disagree. Nor should it be cause for division. Now, let's take a look at some other key things going on in the church in the background, in the theology, and the doctrine of the church. So, in reality, the Catholic Church is an amalgamation of many pagan religions mixed with true Christianity. There's no nice way of saying that, but that's exactly what it is. When you analyze many of the artifacts, monuments, artwork that you see throughout the Vatican and Catholic places of worship, the Church is not even hiding it. To attract more pagans, the Church has Christianized pagan gods, and symbolism throughout its history, and it is documented to be such. There is a book that they use as kind of like a Catholic history book called The Ecclesiastical History, written by Eusebius. He writes this, The Christian bishops introduced, with but slight alterations into the Christian worship, those rites and institutions by which formerly, the Greeks and Romans and others had manifested their piety and reverence toward their imaginary deities, supposing that the people would be more readily embracing of Christianity if they perceived the rites handed down to them from their fathers still existing unchanged among the Christians. Do you get that? They purposely instituted and integrated Paganism into the Catholic Church to make it look more appealing. Isn't that what we're warned not to do in a Protestant church? That we're not supposed to have any apologies for what we believe, that we're no nonsense, no messing around in keeping it undefiled? Isn't that what we're trying to preserve is the pure gospel of Jesus Christ? And by muddying the waters, or by integrating world systems into it, it's not doing any benefits for it. It's actually doing the quite the opposite. It's causing damage, which over centuries of time has turned into what we know for the Catholic Church to be today, which is the largest cult in the world. Now, there are so many secret things in the Catholic history, as well as the going ons of the world today, and I don't claim to know any of them, but this is these are things that we have seen and have documented and has been observed and preserved for history. So, for example, I purposely, you know, when we talk about conspiracies and speculation here, I think that the Pope plays heavy influence on certain nations across the world and is pulling the strings in a lot of places, including the United States of America. For example, when President George W. Bush was asked what he sees when he looks into the eyes of the Pope, he responded by saying that he sees God. And this man has claimed up and down to be a Christian. And if you know anything about the Bushes, they have a very dark history. They are not Good people, I guess is the nicest way to say it. The Bushes were bankers for the Nazi regime and have continued to pull the strings from behind the scenes. So be very careful with them. But also we have our current president, President Biden, who claims to be very close to the Pope and he professes to be a devout Catholic. Not only him, but you also have the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, who claims to be a devout Catholic, and both of these people are very liberal in their policies, as well as anti-biblical in their lawmaking, such as their strong support of abortion, which the Catholic Church has gotten that right. And the Pope himself has said that abortion is wrong and it is unethical. And yet they both still hold fast to that belief that abortion is okay, as well as many other things as transgender, LGBT movement, and you name it. I'm not going to go into all the politics because it just makes me sick. But there are very, very evil people that are in power right now. In the United States and unfortunately they claim to be Catholic. There was even a time recently where Nancy Pelosi was banned from taking communion at the Catholic Church because of her policies and her beliefs and yet when she went to the Vatican she was able to sit in the VIP section of the cathedral there and she was able to take communion as blessed by the pope. Now is it an act of forgiveness? Or is it just all political theater? Well, you leave that to your own imagination. So we talked about the Catholic Church being an amalgamation of many pagan religions mixed together. This all started at the time of Constantine, which, if we remember, we talked about him in our history portion, that he claimed to be converted. And he used Christianity as a means to further his political agenda, which, again, that whole political theater has is an age-old problem. And under his leadership, it became very apparent that there was a different kind of Christian church that started to splinter away from the true church, which we now know as the Catholic Church. So one of the biggest things that started with Constantine was the heavy influence of polytheism and paganism, much as like we read from the ecclesiastical history it began with Constantine. So, for example, if you go to a Catholic church, they have tons of candles lit everywhere. This form of worship is ancient paganism. They use wax candles to worship the god of light, which is not our true God. And this is a pagan ritual dating at least to the 4th century, probably much further back. Deviating from the Sabbath of the Bible, Constantine wrote in his edict that all judges, city people, and craftsmen shall rest on the venerable day of the sun. Sunday. It was called Sunday for that very reason. And he also was the one that declared that December 25th was Christ's birthday. But the reason why we celebrate on December 25th was it's actually the birthday of the sun. S-U-N, not S-O-N. So he actually instituted sun god worship, and that is ancient. Sun god worship is back from Bible times, ancient Egypt. Babylon. all of the, Ever since the time of Nimrod. Nimrod was the one that became deified later as being the sun god. And since then, many people have worshipped him, including the Catholic Church. The cross. Why is it that we insist on wearing crosses in a Catholic Church? Even as Christians and Protestants do too, but why is the cross so significant? Well, the cross is actually ancient Egyptian and Babylonian symbolism for sun god worship. And if you look at that online, there's several places you can find this stuff that show that the cross is actually an ancient symbol of worshiping the sun god. Now, the cross of Christ is something completely different and should never be tainted. You should refrain from worshiping with a cross, if you know what I'm saying because that is idolatry. What God did was spiritual, and should be kept that way. It should not be anything material. Pagan carvings and sculptures of Baal are identical to the Catholic Eucharist. If you look at the Eucharist, and you look at sculptures of Baal and idols of Baal, they look exactly the same thing. So really, when you are worshiping the Eucharist, which is idolatry in itself, you're actually worshiping Baal. The pine cone staff that the Pope uses is used to symbolize the solar god Osiris in ancient art in Egypt. The identical pine cone can be found at the Vatican in a very prominent monument, as well as on the Pope's staff. The kind of hat that the Pope wears is called a mitre, and this fish head mitre is identical to the ones that the priests of the Sumerian god Dagon and the Babylonian priests would wear when they worshipped their gods. Ancient pagan temples throughout the world have imagery con- containing a hand gesture called the trident, and is specifically tied to Satan or the sun god of these civilizations. And you know that the Pope does this particular hand signal where he puts you know some of his fingers together and almost does like a peace sign of sorts. That is actually the same hand gesture that they used back then. In the Vatican, the pagan statue of Jupiter doing the trident was renamed as being Saint Peter, but it was actually... A statue of Jupiter. Statues of baby Jesus doing the trident gesture are not Jesus at all. They're actually images of baby Tammuz. And Tammuz is the son of Nimrod, which we'll get into him. And name Tammuz should be familiar if you read the Bible. The Pope does the exact same hand gesture as these things. But it's actually a sign of Satan. The image of the virgin and the child is not Mary and Jesus. It is actually images of Ishtar and Tammuz. The obelisks at the Vatican are something that has been used for a very long time in ancient history to worship the sun god Tammuz. The idea of elevation or Halos or sunbursts surrounding the heads of things is directly worshiping the sun god from ancient times. Way before Catholicism became a thing, that same imagery was used to celebrate the sun god. The papal tiara symbolizes that they have dominion over three planes, heaven, earth, and hell. Why would the pope have dominion over hell? Check this out. Historians have estimated that the Catholic Church has martyred over 50 million people in their history, from the time of Constantine to the end of the Dark Ages, all in the name of religion. You think of all those people who were burned as witches, burned as heretics, people that were destroyed for political reasons, you think of crusades, all in the name of God. But really, it was not in God's name. 50 million people murdered by the Catholic Church over history. And the number's probably gone up since then. So let's talk about the, a name I mentioned earlier, Nimrod. He's mentioned in the Bible a few times, and he is the great-grandson of Noah. He is believed to be the origin of the Tower of Babel, and of idolatry in general. And this is in the Bible. It does say that he was the one who founded Babylon, as well as the Tower of Babel. Now, this is this, the rest of this goes outside of the Bible, but you just take it for a grain of salt. But he had a wife, apparently, named Semiramis, which this is all written in Sumerian, Mesopotamian history. He had a wife named Semiramis, who insisted that he should be considered the sun god after he died. And the way that you would say his name in their tongue was Baal, or Baal. So, after Nimrod died, she claimed that she was made pregnant by the rays of the sun, by Nimrod himself. And she also claimed that Nimrod was reincarnated as her son, Tammuz. So her son wasn't really her son. It was actually her husband reborn in a different body, so she says. She then maneuvered people to start worshiping her and her son, which created the imagery of the mother and the child. This worship disseminated to and was venerated in many countries in pagan worship, taking many different names, but it's all worshiping the same false gods. And as we know today, the mother-child worship is very much alive in the Catholic Church. If you read the ancient histories of these people, Tammuz grew up to be a great hunter like his father Nimrod, and later he was deified by the priests of Baal. They commemorated the day of Tammuz where he died, and they did so by declaring a fast 40 days prior to Easter, which is the holiday of Ishtar, before having a great feast to celebrate the death and resurrection of the sun god. So what the Catholics call Lent is not based on the 40 days of Jesus being in the desert, but it was in place thousands of years before Christ to remember Tammuz. In other civilizations throughout history. Other names for Nimrod and Semiramis, that combination was Osiris and Isis, same thing. Baal and Ashtoreth, same thing. Adonis and Aphrodite, same thing. Cupid and Venus, same thing. So the same false gods throughout history. And it would make sense because Satan has used the same tools against us with the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, boastful pride of life, throughout our entire human history, and it's always worked. So it wouldn't surprise me if demons were using the same tactics on us throughout all the centuries, because we would continue to fall for it. A few more things that point the Catholic Church to being a pagan group. The use of candles and tapers in church services is a pagan practice of honoring the sun god. The Catholic Encyclopedia itself admits that it adopted this from the cults of the world. Especially in the last 100 years, the Church has continued to elevate Mary to the level of deity. She is to be prayed to, and Jesus is helpless to refuse her. The Church is heavy on idolatry. Some popes had imagery and coats of arms of them with dragons, serpents and beasts, and that's all very telling of where their allegiance is. Several churches throughout the world stick with the belief of blessings from relics and the bodies of priests and saints having some sort of spiritual power. This worship of skeletons is from ancient Babylon. The sun god is in ancient Egypt depicted as a bird Flying by the sun, and you see that same imagery in stained glass and in statues in the Catholic Church. Now, if you didn't know this about ancient Babylon, but historians have discovered they had at least 5,000 different gods. That's a lot of gods. Every day of every month was dedicated to a particular patron god. These gods were divided by occupations and the problems people usually had. And this is actually how the veneration of the saints began. It is Babylonian. Here's also some what-ifs on the Vatican itself. The Vatican has a secret archive. It is about 53 miles long, and it's filled with books and documents and scrolls from over the last 1,500 years, makes you really wonder what's in there. The Vatican Bank is directly related to organized crime and other scandals like it, and there's so many articles that are online about that. The Vatican has directly profited from the Nazi regime, as we've talked about, and there's many documents that have confirmed it. St. Peter's Square, if you were to see it from an aerial view, is designed like the image of the sun god. They recently did a survey on Catholics, and an estimated 20% of all Catholic churches and monuments are dedicated only to Mary. No longer about Christ. In the catacombs of St. Peter's Basilica, there are numerous altars to different pagan gods, including an altar dedicated to Satan. This is very easily accessible on the Vatican's website. You just go to their virtual tours, and you can go to St. Peter's Basilica and see some of these rooms for yourself. They're not even hiding it. So, I've said all this about the Catholic Church, and I know I'm sounding like I'm very hard on them, and I am, because anything that comes across as counterfeit Christianity is probably the most evil of all. If it was something like Buddhism or Hinduism, where it doesn't remotely even look like us, you can't even compare the two. But when it's something that tries to say it is Christian, but yet has so many things that are anti-Christian, that just reminds me of exactly the way that Satan masquerades as an angel of light. That's why, as the final evaluation of the Catholic Church. My personal opinion is that the Catholic Church is Satan's crowning achievement of religion. That he has done a fantastic job of passing it off as Christianity when it is not. If you want to see how I think that the Catholic Church is ruled by Satan, you really need to look at only one thing. And that's looking at pictures of the Holy See, the council where the Pope sits and gives either speeches or rules from his seat as Pope. There is an ornate sculpture behind him. And it was claimed to be Christ in hell. Like, what was he doing during those three days that he had died before he rose again, that he went down to Hades and he redeemed people from Hades. That's what it's supposed to depict, but, I mean, it has wings on Jesus, and he didn't have wings. The skulls are very creepy looking. I purposely, I personally think that that sculpture is actually a sculpture of Satan, and that is just, and if you zoom out even more, the entrance to the Holy See... If you take a good look at it, it looks like a serpent, and you're going into the mouth of the serpent, as if the Pope himself is the mouth of the serpent. It is so obvious, and they don't even try to hide it. Look it up online if you don't believe anything I'm saying, because it is all there, and nothing I'm saying is just, unless I've said otherwise, is just my opinion. All these things I've mentioned to you as facts or... Statements can easily be found online or through other sources. Finally, we have to end with the proper mindset. What does the Bible say about itself? So let me point you to a few scriptures to make sure that we understand what we are supposed to believe. Matthew chapter 9, verse 2. And they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralytic, Take courage, son, your sins are forgiven. Jesus can forgive sins, not the Pope. Matthew chapter 23, verse 9. Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father, he who is in heaven. And yet they call the Pope the Holy father Matthew chapter 24 verses 4 through 5 and then verse 24 And Jesus answered and said to them See to it that no one misleads you for many will come in my name saying I am the Christ and will mislead many verse 24 for false Christs and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders, so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. Behold, I have told you in advance. James chapter 4, verse 12 There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you who judge your neighbor? Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 and 8 And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, He who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, and who shuts and no one opens, says this, I know your deeds. Behold, I have put before you an open door which no one can shut because you have a little power and have kept my word and have not denied my name. Only Jesus can open and shut the door, not the Pope. Revelation chapter 13, verse 7. It was also given to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority over every tribe and people and tongue and nation was given to him. Talking about the beast. And that's who I think the false prophet is, or the Pope. Revelation chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. After these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority and the earth was illumined with his glory. And he cried out with a mighty voice, saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place of demons, and a prison of every unclean spirit, and a prison of every unclean and hateful bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the passion of her immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed acts of immorality with her and the merchants of the earth have become rich by the wealth of her sensuality. I heard another voice from heaven, saying, Come out of her, my people, so that you will not participate in her sins and receive of her plagues. For her sins have piled up as high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Pay her back even as she has paid and give back to her double according to her deeds, in which the cup which she has mixed, mixed twice as much for her. To the degree that she glorified herself and lived sensuously, to the same degree, give her torment and mourning. For she says in her heart, I sit as a queen, and I am not a widow, and will never see mourning. For this reason, in one day, her plagues will come, Pestilence and mourning and famine, and she will be burned up with fire. For the Lord God who judges her is strong. Daniel chapter 7 verse 25 He will speak out against the Most High and wear down the saints of the Highest One. And he will intend to make alterations in times and in law, and they will be given into his hand for a time, times, and half a time. Sounds very much like what they're doing today, and have already done. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 13-15 through 15. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it is not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end will be according to their deeds. Galatians 1, verses 8 and 9 But even if we, or an angel from heaven, should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. As we have said before, so I say again now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, he is to be accursed. Wouldn't it be safe to say that's exactly what they've done? John fourteen six, Jesus said to them, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And lastly, 2 Timothy 3, verse 5. Holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power, avoid such men as these. As my final statement, again, I appeal to those who are seeing the truth, that are Catholics participating in that church. Get out of there, please. You are continuing down a path of destruction. I encourage you to speak to somebody about it and consider the gospel of Jesus Christ. His words are truth, and the Catholic Church is a lie. Stay out of that environment. Get out of there as soon as you can. And buy a Bible and study that. And that will have all the answers you need. I thank you for listening to this series, and I hope you enjoyed it. I hope it was helpful to you in better equipping you for speaking to those that are Catholic, as well as being more aware of what is going on in the world. And I hope in the near future I can do more studies in-depth on different religions. But until then, thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.